1093 WBT Pete Callender here at the Charlotte Auto Show at the Charlotte Convention Center. You too can be at the auto show at the convention center. You can come on down here, check out all the there's a lot of cars. So like if you want to see the latest models, latest makes and uh and me, you can come on down. I mean, I am the latest make and model of of me, so you can see that too. But you can come on down and look at all of the different vehicles. I mean, there's just so many. You've got uh electric vehicles, obviously. You've got the pickups, you got sedans, you got sports cars, you even got the Wiener Mobile. It's all here. Okay. It's all here. Uh, at the convention center, it's going through Sunday, so today through 9 p.m. Tomorrow, 12 to 9 p.m. Saturday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, as well. Um, so before the uh, news, I was talking about these uh, nuclear reactors, these small or advanced reactors, is what Randy Wheelis from Duke Energy uh, called them. But and it's and that's uh, that's true. Uh, that's it's a good term for it, but they're I mean to me in my mind they're small, like it's just it's a smaller reactor. It's not like these massive. I mean I've seen the artist renderings, I've seen the uh, the the plans and stuff, uh, computer generated stuff, but they don't look like what you think of as a nuclear reactor now, right? So this advanced tech though is already being utilized in other countries like China and Russia, and they are looking to export those plants to other countries around the world. That is a problem from a national security standpoint, but also from a from an influence standpoint. And like other nations, I've said this before, this gets into like the geopolitical role, uh, global role of the uh, of America. And I know there are a lot of people that are you know like America first, and I agree with that. But I also recognize that throughout human history, nations have projected their power beyond their borders always. And if we are not the one to try to influence other countries in a positive way, then who fills that role? I would I mean and I'm not saying like you you have to agree that that's a better option but you have to acknowledge that that is what will happen right and I and I would like to kind of walk through the game theory on that who is in a position to project their power and what kind of power would that be and what does that look like all of those questions are important questions if we're like well you know what we're we're going to bail from the world stage okay who fills the vacuum who fills the void and I think it's incumbent upon people to answer that question. That's just me. So if uh, if we're able to create this technology and we're able to be the ones to spread it all around the world and give developing nations cheap, clean energy generation, I think that is a benefit to us. I think they like us for that. Maybe not, but I think that would be a much preferable option than say, oh, just to pull a random example, China taking the lead on that and having their power plants everywhere all around the world. Because I, I don't trust the Chinese because they're communists. It's just one of my things. I, like, I'm not, not a fan of commies. I don't like the ideology. I don't like, well, really them. I don't like any of the iterations of their governments and countries where they've led i just it's just not a good track record a lot of people dead from communism so not a fan they also lie a lot i've noticed so uh i would prefer not letting them take lead on providing the the cheap energy production for the globe the u.s has not been moving forward in the same way on this as uh, china and russia has 
uh, or have. So this plant in Wyoming, Kamur, Kamur, Wyoming, home of the original J.C. Penney store, the plant will be the first to use an advanced nuclear design called natrium or natrium, natrium, natrium. Anyway, uh, it was developed by Terra Power with GE Hitachi. Natrium plants use liquid sodium as a cooling agent instead of water. Sodium has a higher boiling point, so it can absorb more heat than water, which means high pressure does not build up inside the reactor, and then that reduces the risk of an explosion. Also, natrium plants sound natural. It sounds like a sweetener. Right, and so that's like I mean, in PR wise, branding wise, that matters. Sounds like that rodent that you can eat uh, down there in Louisiana, Nutria, a little bit. Nutria, you ever heard of that? I have so many questions right now. I don't now. know. I'll save that for later. All right, cool. Carry on. Wait, wait, hang on. Whoa, whoa. What? what do you? How do you even know? What are you talking about eating rodents in Louisiana? It's the, how how the do you nutria. come by this information? You are from West Mech. What are you talking about? <laughs> I heard this on a show years ago where they talked about it could be a new food substitute. Like if we start running out of cows and pigs and that kind of thing, there's Nutria. So we're going to be Nutria farms and stuff like that. Big, big giant rodents. Well, how how giant? uh, Like the size of a small poodle or, you know, dachshund or something like that. That just sounds inefficient. Yeah. How about this? Hippos. Hmm. No more meat. Right? Yeah. I I mean, it would take more. Now, see, I throw this out there. This is a bit of a bait job for me. Uh. Because I actually know that hippos were considered to be the food source of choice that America was going to pursue. Wow. What happened? The Great Depression. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. World War II. Just, they got off rails. They got delayed. They got delayed. So, because they they were like, look, we need to get people protein. Because they're not eating enough protein. People could not eat enough protein to climb five flights of stairs, which is why they had to limit the, the heights of buildings. If they couldn't put an elevator in it, you couldn't literally climb up to the top of the building. you get winded. You, right. You'd pass out. You don't have enough calorie intake in a day. So they're like, we need to get people more protein. So how do we get people more protein? So they started looking. Congress started looking into this. <laughs> I'm not kidding. There, was a, there were congressional hearings, and they actually pitched this idea. They were going to bring in hippos from, where are hippos? Africa? Africa or South America. Wow. Where They were going to bring in the hippos. Where do you think they were going to put the hippos? Uh, what would be a natural habitat for hippos? Florida, right? Bingo. Yeah. You are three for three today. <laughs> yes. Three for three. So hippos were going to be farmed in Florida. <laughs> wow. And if you think about it, that's a lot of that's a lot of protein to come off those things. Would you rather eat the hippo or the nutria? The hippo. You've got a choice. Okay. I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's way less baggage around. A, I mean, Nutrient, is a, it's a it's a better name. Yeah. Although, I think the, was it Parker Brothers or whoever with uh, Hungry Hungry Hippo probably yeah. rehabbed the you hippo bring that name. Back. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. The, the you got hippos as this meat source, and then I, I believe it was the Great Depression, and then World War II, and they just got sidetracked, and then the beef industry took off. Big Beef stepped in. And, so if uh, we have hippos and miniature nuclear reactors, our problems are solved, probably. Well, and if they're near the nuclear reactors, then they could get to be like seven times as big. You're all about solutions. I'm just kidding. I am all about solutions. No, the, but, but if you think about it, why don't we eat hippos? I don't know. There's no reason for it. 
Hmm. That is not an argument that we need to start eating bugs. I don't know what the leftists are all about trying to make everybody eat bugs all the time. I don't get that fixation <laughs> when there are all these perfectly good hippos we could be eating. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I got onto this. Oh, there it is. Randy Wheelis from Duke Energy just tweeted out a picture of him in the Polestar car. That is pretty sweet. Let's take a look. Polestar 1. Yes. So, uh, John Moore, you're getting ready to jet, you said. Yeah. Do you have... Uh, do you have plans to hit any of these particular areas I'm gonna before you uh, roll out of here? Every single one of these <laughs> display areas before I leave. There's so much beautiful iron sitting in here, uh, iron and rubber and glass and uh, all that. So, because now, now people are here. Like, you've been here and when we first got here, and I felt bad, like, taking some of the pictures because there wasn't anybody here, but nobody was allowed in when we were here. Yeah. But yeah. now it's starting to fill up. Yeah. And... Uh, like they're kind of like they're kind of blocking my view of some of the vehicles now. Like, <laughs> can we have them move out of the way so you can <laughs> Google the vehicles a little bit? Right. Uh, all right. So the last bit here, just the just to wrap up on the on the nuclear plants, the advanced uh, uh, nuclear designs, natrium or nu- nutria. Is that what you called it? Yeah. It's not. It's not the edible rodents from New Orleans. Okay. Good. Natrium. It is um, liquid sodium is used as a cooling agent rather than just straight-up water. And sodium has a higher boiling point, so it can absorb more heat than water does, which means uh, high pressure doesn't build up inside of the reactors, and then that reduces the chance or the risk of an explosion. Also, they don't require an outside energy source to operate the cooling system, which could be a vulnerability in the case of an emergency shutdown. This is actually what contributed to the 2011 disaster at the Fukushima nuclear plant in Japan. Uh, when a tsunami shut down the diesel generators, running its backup cooling system, contributing to a meltdown and the release of radioactive material. Natrium plants, again, not only uh, have all of these features, but natrium sounds more green. Just sounds like a greener thing because it's like you can't spell natrium without sounding like nature, right? Uh, so natrium plants can also store heat, uh, heat in tanks of molten salt. Molten salt. Conserving the energy for later use like a battery and enabling the plant to bump its capacity uh, all the way up to 500 megawatts for about five hours. The plants are also smaller than conventional nuclear power plants, uh, and that should make them faster and cheaper to build than conventional power plants. TerraPower, which is leading this project in Wyoming, wants to get the cost of its plants down to a billion dollars. Right now, the first one's going to be about $4 billion, but they want to get it down uh, to $1 billion, and they say that, uh, that they can do that. The first plant always costs more. So it's like the complete opposite of, you know, drug pushers. Right? If you think of it like the first bump's free, they always tell you that's, that's how they get you hooked. But this, in this case, no, this is all tech, right? The, for the early adopters usually uh, pay premium prices to be the early adopters, and then as more people uh, buy the products and the companies make the money, then they're able to reduce the cost. That's the beauty of the free market. 
And let me see here. Finally, the existing fleet of nuclear reactors in America runs uranium-235 fuel enriched up to 5%. And uh, we do not have this enrichment capability in the U.S. today. And this is an area of great concern for the government and the Department of Energy. But they say these reactors will help us get there. Then, over in Britain, you've got the Rolls-Royce project. I know they make those cars, those fancy cars with the gray poupon, but also they're in the energy sector. Britain has backed uh, a half a billion dollar funding round that they're going to use to develop the country's first small modular nuclear reactor. This is a push from uh, to get to zero carbon emissions and promote new technology with export potential. See, so Britain is looking to do it too. They want to get this technology up and running, not just for the environmental reasons, but also uh, they can then export it. Hitting its emissions goal by 2050 requires a massive increase in low carbon power generation like wind and solar and nuclear, but large scale nuclear projects struggle to get funding so britain is now looking to go smaller with these uh with the small modular reactors they call them smrs um isn't smr the thing where people whisper on the youtube videos asmr oh okay anyway so john moore is gone tj is now here are you a car guy tj he said i'm a medium car you're a medium car guy So only like medium-sized vehicles? He only likes the... Medium interest. Medium interest. Ah, That's probably where I am, I would say. That's about... All right. So between the two of us, we could probably walk the floor and answer two car-related questions accurately. I mean, we could answer them, just not accurately all the time. So the SMRs can be made in factories with parts small enough to get transported on trucks and barges. They can be assembled more quickly. They can be assembled cheaply, more cheaply at least, than the large-scale reactors. So every one of these mini plants can power about a million homes. Rolls-Royce forecasts that the SMR business could generate 40,000 jobs based on British demand, but also the demand from overseas when they start exporting it. It said the global export potential was, quote, unprecedented, fitting with a government plan to increase clean tech jobs as part of its so-called green industrial revolution. And just in case you were wondering, yes, Greenpeace is opposed to it. Road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. I love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again On the road again Going places that I've never been Seeing things that I may never see again I can't wait to get on the road again All righty, News Talk 1110 WBT That's Willie Nelson all right, Dean sends me a uh, an email to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Pete, shouldn't you put a before and after split photo on the personality, the WBT website, and then get some premium advertising money or a free membership for me? <laughs> so, <laughs> so me putting my before and after pictures from PhD weight loss on the WBT site is for Dean to get the free membership. 
That's right. Nothing shady. <laughs> uh, no. So, <laughs> no, actually, we did take the before picture. PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition took the before picture. So they have the before picture. But I'm not at the after yet. So, I mean, it is after the before, but it is not the after. So we got to wait for the after, which is when I hit my goal weight. So, which as I understand it, by the way, I know a slight diversion here, but as I understand it, you, you start off because everybody's different. And so you got to, uh, as you approach the goal weight, from what I understand, they've told me that you, uh, or th- they will work with me adding different foods into the diet to see how my body reacts. And as they do that, then they'll say, okay, you know, you don't want to eat too much of this stuff because this is obviously how it's impacting you. Uh, Or you can, okay, this stuff is no problem. Keep eating that. That's fine. So there's all these different things that they can tweak as you get closer to goal weight. So this way, when you get to maintenance phase, uh, then you're good to go. So uh, that's the idea. And the original goal weight uh, they set for me was like uh, minus 90 pounds. That's not firm because as we get closer to the goal, I might not need to go full 90. And I've told them, like when they first said that, I said to them, like, I don't know if I want to be like 155 pounds. Like, I got to be able to defend myself. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, so we'll see. And I'll keep you posted on all of this as we go. All right. So it's a day that ends in Y. And that means we've got some violence at uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg School. The uh, newscast there, did I just hear correctly, was at Mallard Creek, I believe, was the school. They had some problems. They are on some lockdown or something, something. Anyway, uh, I guess you know, they're just trying to compete with Hopewell. Hopewell High School officials held a town hall meeting last night. They discussed safety in schools. The meeting came two weeks after two guns were found on campus and police filed charges against six students. WSOC-TV reports hundreds attended the meeting at Lake Forest Church to hear from school leaders about what can be done. So, Brett Jensen from uh, WBT News got a hold of uh, our intrepid superintendent, Ernest Winston, after the event, I believe. And Ryan's got the audio queued up. Go, Ryan. Elise, what did you think about tonight? Um, I thought it was very powerful. I think there's a lot of passion. That's not Ernest Winston. These are lies. We sit on a throne of lies. What was your takeaway and what did you think about tonight? We were very pleased to see so many parents and members of our community come out and share their voices. As you heard and saw tonight, families are extremely passionate about our schools and about their children. And we all want to do everything that we can to ensure that our schools are as safe as possible. And in order to make that happen, we need our families and our communities to partner with us in this endeavor. Is there anything that stood out to you tonight in particular? I, I think the passion. I think the passion, people oh, I'm gonna care rest. about this issue. No, they care and about their kids. I'm a parent myself, and so I understand the passion. I get it, and we want to take that passion and turn that into action so that we're doing everything we can to keep school safe. You know, and passion sounds like action. It does kind of sound the same. So it's easy to confuse the two terms, you stupid little person I'm talking to. I have said this before, 
And maybe it's just me and I have this bit of, uh, I don't know what you would call it, anti-authoritarian streak to me. Combativeness. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is about me. I recognize it. I have self-awareness on this issue. But I really don't appreciate being talked to like I'm a child. I really don't appreciate it, especially from somebody who it seems like is in over their head, who doesn't even have the answer that I'm asking for and is then going to talk to me like I'm a child as if that's going to placate me and that I'm not going to be able to decipher the fact that you gave me a non-answer. What is that answer? Very pleased that they came out and shared their voices. Dude, they're pissed. Sorry. Just quoting Rhonda Cheek, the school board member, right? That's all I'm doing. That's just, that is a newsworthy, that's not an FCC violation. It's totally not. Seriously. People are hacked off at you, Superintendent Winston. They're hacked off at you. They're mad at you. They got passion about the interest because it's their freaking kids that you're messing with. Very pleased they came out to share their voices. And they're passionate. Just passion. It's a lot of passion around this. Just passion, passion, passion. It's like a, it's like a soap opera. I mean, really, it's like I could not even tell last night. If this is, am I watching a soap opera or a CMS town hall? That's how much passion there was. This is so ridiculous. Heavy on platitudes and bromides and light on any kind of action plan. And what he needs the parents to partner with us on this stuff. Partner with you? The parents are dropping their kids off to your facility because they're required to by law. And you've made certain promises about what you're going to do with their kids, to their kids, for their kids, when they are required to drop them off. You've made certain assurances that they will be safe on the premises when they drop their kids off. You are not fulfilling your end of the deal. This is what people in government, a lot of times bureaucrats, they do not understand this. I think it's also something that is missing from a lot of folks philosophically left of the political spectrum, that there is a contract between the public and and its government. There is a contract. It's not written down specifically. People aren't signing it, but the general principles are outlined in our Constitution. The idea is we give up some liberty to you, GovCo, in exchange for security. That's the deal. We give up certain privileges, certain rights. We cede them to you so you can provide certain things. Now, if you can't do that, contract is null and void. No, no point in a contract any longer. You no longer have a voluntary contract. Now you've just got force. See? So when you guys fail to keep up your end of the deal by failing to provide the core services that you were charged to provide, people kind of get mad at that. They kind especially when they have bought their homes based on where you built your schools. They take their vacations, they took jobs based on where you built your schools. Right? When when you force people to order their entire existence around your schoolhouse and then you don't do the thing that you promised you would do for them, yeah, people get mad. Or should I say Passionate. News Talk 1110-993-WBT here at the Charlotte Auto Show at the Charlotte Convention Center. 
and uh, you too can be here. It runs through 9 p.m. It's awesome. I mean, it brought in, I don't even know how many cars. It's massive. There are so many cars here. They got, I was just telling TJ, who has uh, now, uh, he's now the producer on scene, TJ, because John Moore, he did a lap, and John Moore came back and said he spent a lot of time looking at the Jeeps and the trucks and the Wienermobile, which is kind of on brand for John Moore. Yeah, that fits. That fits. Um, but I was just telling TJ, so we're near the Kias, and I can see, and I saw them doing this earlier before everybody was, uh, before they opened the doors for uh, admission. I saw them setting up this and testing it. They've got a screen that's over there, like a big monitor. And it you know, shows you like you know the commercials and the videos of the cars driving and the features and the, everything like that. But it's interactive. They've got another board that's like, it's sort of like a, like a keyboard for this big monitor, except you don't have to touch it. It's like a, um, it's like a mouse pad that you hover your hand over, and it moves the mouse on the screen. It's crazy. It's so cool. Anyway, so that's the kind of tech that you're going to see here, because this is all the new stuff. Um, I still got questions about all these car headlights. Are you? But do you know anything about like the car headlights? I'm going to have to go over and ask one of these people about this. Driving me nuts. What, what's your question? Why they're on? No, TJ. I don't. I'm not wondering why the headlights are on the cars. <laughs> no, I'm wondering did something change that now all of a sudden we're seeing all of these different types of designs with the lights around headlights and taillights. Not aftermarket stuff. I'm not talking about that, like ground effects and all that. But like these are these are right off the these are out of the factory. Right. And so like this one here, say it looks like eyelashes. And you got this one here, it's got like the outline of the, the headlights. And then you got the one back there, it's got it's just completely surrounding the headlight. And I've seen when people turn their signals on, it'll turn the headlight off, and the only thing that stays on is that. And then you got that one over there, it's got the light that goes across the whole like underside of the front hood. Right. So like is it, did something happen or did like did the technology evolve or all of a sudden now this became cheap enough to put in every vehicle or something? Uh Fast and the Furious. Are you telling me this all came from the movies? Yeah. Interesting. I made that up, but oh, it's, man. it seems legit. This is why you can't trust producers. <laughs> Just good rule of thumb. That's why we're not on the air. <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to go down to your gray car theory again. The gray car theory. It's yeah. not. A, it's not a theory. It's a code. <laughs> it's not a code. It, it's not a theory. It's a code. It, I. You know what? I also notice no gray cars in here. I don't see any gray cars. That one may be close to gray over there, but it's basically an off-white. I'm going to call it ivory. Yeah. It's like a, it's like an ashy ivory, not a gray. Because gray cars, they can't be in here because their lights would have to be on. And we all know that gray car drivers do not turn their headlights on, so that's the code. <laughs> so they can't be in here, I think. That's the yeah. So confirmed. There you go. Thank you for bringing that to my attention, Ryan. I don't think that went the way he thought it was going to, TJ, but... <laughs> So Hopewell High School has their big safety meeting up in uh, Huntersville at the uh, Lake Forest Church, hearing from school leaders about what can be done, although school leaders didn't actually go over what is going to be done. 
the ideas that uh, parents have basically proposed, clear backpacks, metal detectors, wanding instead of the metal detectors, or I guess in addition to the metal detectors, increased campus security, although I think that comes dangerously close to the opposite of defunding police, and so I'm not sure it's going to get the buy-in required uh, from the left, but uh, community partnerships, and I think that's really what Ernest Winston, the superintendent, I think that's really what he's banking on community partnerships not really sure what that means maybe was it the dads on duty i think is what they uh uh the the one group and or, or moms on a mission is the other one which by the way i fully support that you want to put some parents in there keep the kids in line whatever works right i'm an all of the above kind of guy when it comes to strategies like this whether it's covid or it's school violence whatever i mean look my opinion on this is get your kids out of k-12 government schools it's easy for me to say that. I recognize that. I don't have kids. Uh, I don't have kids in the system. I don't have children. So it's easy for me to say that. I get it. But I don't understand why you would keep sending your kids to a school that you don't believe is safe, that is teaching them things that you don't want them taught, and and uh, in some cases is being run by or or taught by people that don't like you very much. I don't know why you would do that. There are opportunity scholarships. There are vouchers. There are charters. Uh, there are ways to get your kids out of these failing schools um, or unsafe schools. He also said, Winston said during this uh, event last night, we are committed to doing everything we can to help keep our schools safe. Why? Because our students deserve it. Our staff members deserve it. Oh, my God. Again, like... I get the sense that someone gave him some corporate flashcards with some of these sayings on them. He committed them to memory, and he just busts them out whenever something happens, and he has to speak like this. This is just, it's not helpful. I'm not sure. Is anybody telling him that? I'll tell you. Not helpful. It's not helpful. Rhonda Cheek, school board member who organized it, said that if clear backpacks are mandated, the district would provide them. So that's not going to happen anytime soon because China and the supply chain challenges, because you got to make them all in China, and then you got to get them over here, and then you got to distribute them after they get off of the boats. But nothing's really getting off the boats in a timely fashion. So probably January at the earliest. So if you're looking to whip up on people, you got to do it before the new year. That's the big takeaway, I guess, from the meeting last night. If you're looking for more brawling, you want to get it all in before 2022. The superintendent did not outline a timeline for when changes will be put in place, but said they are working as quickly as possible. With staff shortages, Principal Tracy Picard, Picard or Pickard, she told Channel 9 WSOC-TV in an exclusive interview that she's relying on parents to step up. Isn't that kind of the problem right now? Right, the kids are acting like this because parents are not stepping up. What am I missing here? By the way, I'm not the I am not one who blames teachers and administrators for kids beating each other up in the hallways. I blame the kids first, and then I blame the parents, and then I would blame the schools. But the schools made a deal with the parents. There is a deal, there is a contract, there's an agreement in place. And if you're not living by your agreement, then parents need to leave. 
More than 60 people have pledged to help with the mission. We shall see. We shall see. Love to see you at the convention center. Come on down. Up next, inside the rise of anti-work. Anti-work. It's apparently a thing. Or at least media wants us to believe it is. That's up next. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.